As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Magnificent condor circles high above the serrated edges of the Andean mountains, a symbol of the enduring power of the Andean people. Its magnificent wingspan is buoyed by every warm breath of air rising from the valley below, where a civilization of adobe homes still line along a small stream. The white-necked sentinel faithfully guards the dreams that haunted those who raised those homes and those who came after and added edifices made of steel and glass. San Salvador de Jujuy, capital of the Jujuy province at the northwest corner of Argentina, it sits at over 4,000 feet above sea level. The area is rich with pre-Columbian, Incan, and Spanish colonial history In the magnificent Catedral Basilica of San Salvador, built in the 18th century, a new flag, the Argentine flag, was blessed on May 25, 1812, exactly two years after the colonists, the Criollos, kicked out the Spaniard Viceroy Baltasar Hidalgo de Cisneros and established a self-governing administration in 1810. In the magnificent Catedral Basilica of San Salvador, built in the 18th century, it was straight down from the Basilica at Crista del Valle Academy I discovered the magical world of dancing. Mind you, I don't exactly come from a dancing family. My father didn't dance, but he was involved in sports and quite athletic, and my mother, she whistled really well. But I was exposed to folklore dancing at family birthdays and weddings. And it was at the academy where I was formally ushered into the wonderful world of folklore by my teacher, Maria del Carmen Caligia. And that set the course of my life. 
Welcome to Tango Angeles. I am Ronaldo, your host. On today's show, we are covering the story of a man who was born in a far-flung corner of Argentina against the backdrop of snow-capped Andean mountains. His name, Roberto Herrera. And despite him being born far away from Buenos Aires, the Mecca of Tango, he rose to the top of this world. And he has been not only a witness to, but also been one of the protagonists of the tango renaissance that started in the 1980s. Following is the story of Roberto's journey. Exactamente en el año 86, 86, yo este, eh, fui a, a hacer este, un casting, digamos, para quien era el mayor eh, maestro de folclore, Santiago Ayala de Chúcaro y Norma Viola, y ellos tenían un ballet muy, pero muy importante. It was exactly in the year 1986 when I went to do a casting, let's say, for the greatest master of folklore, Santiago Ayala, El Chucaro, and Norma Viola. They had a ballet troupe called Ballet Folclorico Nacional, very, very important in Argentina. And for me, it was a dream to be able to dance in that troupe. So I was able to get an audition with them. It was March 86, I remember. I was able to do this casting with them and from there, after a few weeks, I had the opportunity to be part of the ballet. As soon as I joined the ballet, Chucaro told me, Listen, kid, here we do folklore dances, but we also do tango. And I said, I know how to dance tango. But in reality, I didn't really know how. When I was growing up in Jujuy, there was no real tango per se, just some homespun version of tango, danced at home, at weddings and parties, rhythmic, but no figures. I found the connection between folklore and tango fascinating. Chamame, for example, a dance from the northeast of Argentina, provinces of Corrientes and Misiones closely resembles tango. Those in folkloric tradition develop fantastic individuality, but rarely is folklore danced in an embrace. But chamamé is danced in an embrace, and in that regard, is like tango, and it has many elements that are closely related to kanjenge. Very interesting, because at the same time, chamamé has European influences. 
Many figures, for example, you do in chamamé are similar to kanjengue. When we used to perform scenes from the provinces of Corrientes and Misiones, we discovered tango has these connections with the folklore. And when you talk about folklore, you mostly hear about chacarera or el gato, the most common and widespread dances. But Argentina has many traditional dances. And one of these, I tell you, chamamé, is the closest one to tango. And above all, closest to kanjengue. For me, that is the cornerstone of tango. tango teacher was Gustavo Navera. Navera offered classes on Saturdays with his partner Olga Vesio at the National Dance School on Giralda Street. They taught Carlos Copes's style, exactly the same. Navera and Olga later developed their own style, but at that time, they taught Copes's style. So in actuality, I had two teachers, Gustavo Navera and Carlos Copes. 
Afterwards, I continued tango studies with Pepito Avellaneda and Antonio Todaro. These two men were milongueros, but they also danced fantasy. This was a great combination. They had the mischievousness that years of milonguero life had given them, but also they had fantasy in them. Antonio used to act in cafes, so a large part of him was an artist. Their creativity and fantasy made me dream, made me feel creative. I learned much more than just marking the ochos and giros. I consider Antonio the Fred Astaire of tango. Que yo este, lo considero Antonio el, el Fred Astaire de tango, ¿no? I have always been an admirer of Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly, but above all, Antonio was like Fred Astaire, that creativity, that quality of movement, without endless academic analysis or gimmicks. I adored Antonio's natural style. When he made turns, for example, he didn't study where the axis was, where the weight was, and whether the force used was centrifugal or centripetal. None of it. Antonio, he just did it. I loved watching Antonio dance so much that even when I understood perfectly well how to do a move he was teaching me, I would say, I don't get it. Can you show me again? Just so I can watch him do it over and over again. Antonio's way of turning was so personal, so wonderful. In 1986, Chucaro and Norma Viola were putting together a show for Mariano Mores. Mores was going to Italy on a tour, so I'm talking about the year 86, when there were fantastic teachers. Raul Bravo, for example, with Titi, the Borges, Carlos and Inés Borges, folklore, classical, contemporary dancers, all of the variety. They really completed the company. I was able to meet them and watch how they put together and executed the choreographies. And then a proposal came for Chucaro and Norma to create choreographies for Marcos Surinaga's movie Tango Bar. Surinaga was still a young man then. 
The movie had several choreographers working in different parts. Chukaro and Norma covered the choreography of what would be from the birth of tango, that is, from the orilleras, the outskirts, to the crowded tenement houses of conventillos. I was paired up with a beautiful girl by the name of Mabel Day, and we danced milonguita. They created this flowy licuada hairstyle for her, appropriate for the turn of the century. Mabel's sweet, elegant look gave the feeling that transported me and viewers to the more innocent time of the early 1900 period. Los inmigrantes vinieron con esperanzas, con ganas de trabajar, pero también de divertirse. ¿No es así, Antonio? Y tanto se quisieron divertir que crearon la milonguita. Those immigrants had hopes and desire to work and to have fun. So much so, they created the milonguita. It was very interesting, my time with Osvaldo. Why? I never had to do an audition to dance with Don Osvaldo's orchestra because I had already started working with Vanina. We had traveled with Gloria and Eduardo Arkenbaugh's company to Japan. That was my first overseas trip. Japan was very exotic and marvelous to me. But at three months, the tour was very long. It was Gloria and Eduardo who brought Vanina and me together. I had gone to do an audition for Gloria and Eduardo for the Japan tour with my then-partner, Ana Maria Tortorella. We became part of the cast, but later, Ana Maria backed out because she didn't want to be away from her family that long. With Vanina, she did the casting with Fabian Salas, but for some reason, the Japanese didn't like it. Vanina was already known because she had previously traveled to Asia with the Pugliese Orchestra. So Vanina was left alone, 
And because my partner decided not to go, Eduardo said to me, Listen, would you be willing to dance with Vanina? I said, Sure, I would be delighted. I already know her from the Milongas. And she was not dancing at the time. She was on a hiatus because her partner, Alejandro Aquino, had left to go to live in Italy. So we got together, and we started to work out and decided, yeah, let's do this. And we started rehearsing for the tour. On the tour, we got along very well. And when we came back from the tour, I was out of work. And Vanina said, listen, let's rehearse and let's put together some things. Do you know that I used to dance with the Pugliese Orchestra? I said, yes, of course I know. And then she said, Lydia, Pugliese's wife, had told me, when I have a partner again, I can come back to the orchestra. Would you like to go dance with me with Osvaldo's orchestra? Are you kidding? I'd be delighted. I don't even have to think about it. Of course. And that's how it started. I didn't have to audition. So I got into the Pugliese Orchestra, thanks to Vanina. The first meeting with Osvaldo was fantastic. Using a cassette tape, Vanina and I prepared three songs for the meeting, Recuerdo, Chique, and Malajunta, 
There was to be an exhibition at La Galería del Tango in Boedo, and this was a place managed by Eduardo Arquimbal. They had dinner shows there, and although Pugliese didn't really do these shows any longer, they had asked him to please do this one, and he finally accepted the proposal as a favor. I remember the performance was at 11 o'clock at night, but I got there at 10.45. I went there already dressed in a tuxedo so that I wouldn't have to go to a dressing room or the bathroom to change. The show was about to start. The orchestra was about to go up to the stage, and Vanina was already there and introduced me to Lydia, Osvaldo's wife. And Lydia then grabbed me and took me to where Osvaldo was and said, This is Roberto. He is the dancer who is going to dance with Vanina tonight. Osvaldo looked up and said, Hello, hello, nice to meet you. And that's how I met Don Osvaldo for the first time. Then we went on the stage to do the performance. When the performance was over, Osvaldo, being the gentleman that he always was, came over to us and said with his small voice, Very well, everything, very well, very well. Now Lydia is going to tell you when we will have our next performance. So let's hope we can count on you and the guys in the orchestra. And I congratulate you and thank you very much. This was the beginning of our time together with Osvaldo until the maestro passed away. That's how we became the couple that danced with Pugliese's orchestra.
With the Osvaldo Pugliese Orchestra, we went to the interior of many cities in Argentina as well as in Buenos Aires, where we also performed in some milongas and it was very, very interesting. Osvaldo was a fantastic person, super charismatic, and a very, very good person, an excellent professional. And the maestro and I got along very well. I remember a familiar routine from those days. When we would dance, we didn't have much space on stage. In front of the orchestra, there was about one and a half meter space where us dancers could move. This forced us to improvise our movements in this narrow corridor of space, going back and forth. This limited our choreography significantly. So I established a reference point for when I would walk backwards, and that reference point was Osvaldo's piano leg. Past the leg, there was another meter, and there was nothing, complete emptiness. So using the piano leg as a reference point, I would walk slowly backwards and catch the piano leg out of the corner of my eye. When Don Osvaldo, so alert and so porteño, caught on that I was doing this, and every time we would pass by, he would say, Very well, Robertito, very well. Osvaldo, este, que era tan vivo, tan, tan, tan porteño, este, de, se dio cuenta que yo hacía esas cosas, entonces cada vez que yo pasaba por ahí me decía, muy bien, Robertito, muy bien. <laughs> Even when we were dancing something serious, such as Recuerdo, he still had this ability to share with us a touch of humor, which made us feel relaxed. I have such fond memories of those moments.
Was Pugliese demanding? No, Osvaldo, no, 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 no. No, Osvaldo, este, lo único que, que, que él decía era todo lo contrario. Él decía, si, si yo, yo veo los, los pies de los bailarines y siguen la música, yo estoy contento y con eso quiere decir que yo estoy tocando bien. No, nunca, nunca fue que con nosotros nos dijera o nos pusiera una una traba, siempre nos dio total este, libertad. No, 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 no. Pugliese would say, if I see the dancers' feet and they are following the music, I'm happy, and that means I'm playing well. He was the kind of person who would never keep us on a tether. He always gave us full autonomy. Vanina and I were well aware of who we were working with and which songs we were doing. We would research who wrote the songs, when they were written, how the arrangements were made, and we also talked with Osvaldo so that we could get his inspiration. We also mulled over what clothes we were going to wear for each song. Although Osvaldo never told us what to wear, we had total freedom, but we didn't want to ruin the vision he had about each song. For Pugliese, It was all about elegance, so we would dress elegantly rather than a cliché, tanguero sort of way. So we would look for clothes that were luxurious and elegant. Recuerdo, on the other hand, was very tanguero. We tried to make it tanguero and yet fresh. And with Malajunta, we had to dance with a touch of mischievousness, with more engagement between the dancers and the music. This is quite a happy and very tanguero theme, so we try to add some happy, a little rascally colors, but above all, barrio, because the essence of the song Mala Junta is barrio. So the way we danced and dressed reflected what his vision was, but he never told us how to dance or how to dress. Never. Ever. In fact, it was quite the opposite. In that regard, Don Osvaldo was ahead of his time. We were a young couple, and he wanted us to project that youthful energy. And that was what he wanted to be reflected. He would say the way to do this is so that young people would take an interest and come back to tango and feel that they too can do this. Y él quería eso, que se reflejara eso. Porque él decía que la manera de hacer que los jóvenes vuelvan o sea se, se interesen por el tango es que los jóvenes también lo hagan. He brought young musicians into his orchestra for the same reason. All this to give young people the message that they too could play tango. This was in sync with what we wanted to convey. So as a young couple, we didn't have to pretend to be an old couple. We were allowed to be ourselves. And as long as we did it respectfully, 
we successfully conveyed the Maestro's message. In um, 1995 to 1999, uh, you worked on mm -hmm. uh, Tango Una Historia, and you are sí. credited. You are credited with having pioneered the uh, tango house shows. You were one of the first. Yes. Sí. Ah, yes, Tango House. I suppose you could say we came up with the idea of a Tango House as we know it now. It came about this way. At the corner of Peru and Moreno in Montserrat, there is El Quirandí, and this is a tango dinner show venue. It's designated as a historical monument, as this was where all the intellectuals in Buenos Aires would gather due to its proximity to the National College. And although the venue did well during the day, at night it was completely dead, 
as office workers emptied out at the end of the workday, no one would go to have dinner where there was no nightlife. The owners, however, had an idea to create a tango house so that the venue could attract the nightlife. They called and asked us for a proposal for a show, and that is how we started to organize. At first with a quartet with a singer and Vanina and me as a performing couple, kind of like a casting call. We even rented the sound system for the night and did a mock-up show. The owners, after auditioning other couples, eventually called us back and told us that they liked our proposal the best. The first thing that I told them was, look, you cannot do a show without a stage, lights, and a good sound system. But the owners said that we couldn't touch anything because the place was a historic monument. But I stood my ground. I said, look, if you want to be part of the Buenos Aires nightlife, you're going to have to compete with other venues like La Ventana, Michelangelo, El Viejo Almacén, Casablanca, and Tango Mio. And you've got to do something. You can't have any pretensions as a historical place. These houses all have stages and lights. So after consulting with an architect, we ended up building a pop-up stage. We actually got the waiters at the restaurant to put it up and take it down. And I bought some lights which were called Paris lights. They were super modern lights at the time. Just two lights really, which we installed on columns just below the stage. With those two lights, we managed to provide a bit of scenery. And then we had our debut. Guess what though? It was a flop. You know why? They had invited tour guides who were used to conventional shows of that time period, and I'm talking 1997. We, on the other hand, had many clothing changes and touched on topics not covered much at other venues. In tango clubs in those days, they played simple things as musicians didn't want to play complicated music. But our show, called Tango, A History, was based on the entire history of tango, starting from the beginning of the music itself all the way to Piazzolla. Other tango houses just played a melange of songs that had nothing to do with one another, and dancers simply danced to Refasi, or Quejas de Bandoneon, or La Comparsita, and they could not dance any other songs than the Firulete, all quite cliché. show was different. The next day after the debut, the owner of Querandí, Claudio Campos, called us and told us, 
Look, the guides didn't like the show, but he said he liked it, and he believed in the show. And he added, Instead of trying to please the tour guides, we are going to make the show for Argentine people. I told him, Look, you're going to see that it's going to work very well. And sure enough, a week later, the place started to fill up. Tangueros came. Argentines came. And they started selling directly to clients, bypassing tour guides altogether. After the success of our shows, other places started to copy the format, our style of clothing, and even the clothing changes. But there was yet another bump on the road, and this time it was the quartet. Originally, Walter Rios had signed on to play, but he got snapped up by Luis Bravo's Forever Tango for the position of musical director. So now what? We don't have a group? I remember leaving Rios's house and walking and walking with Vanina until we found ourselves at the Kirandi. It was late at night, so the place obviously was closed. I said, look, Vanina, we've got to take risks. We have to assemble our own quartet, and we have to do it with the best musicians. Pugliese had just passed away, so his first bandoneonist, Alejandro Previniano, became available. We also got Nicolas Ledesma, Leopoldo Federico's pianist, and Piazzolla's bass player. On the violin, Fabian Bertero, and this lineup was top-notch, and to this day, El Querandí is still quite successful. Tengo celos y al decirte que te quiero Siento tu suel corazón Nena, no me canso de mirarte Si no encuentro en otra parte Más encantos que en tu amor Tengo ganas de arrullarte Tengo ganas de mimarte Como nadie te mimo Suyo brujo de tus besos Suyo brujo de tu amor Cuántas veces soñé que venías a mí y al soñar presentí tu querer. Nunca digas de que no me quieres. Un amor al otro amor no quiere. No me digas que no, no te quiero perder porque muero de amor sin tu amor.
Tengo dudas, tengo celos, tengo miedo, mucho miedo que me puedas decir no Yo no sé qué loco embrujo le pusiste al suyo brujo que le dije al corazón I think there was a big change the moment the tango mundial started. Señoras, señores, en esta noche un campeón mundial. Son campeones mundiales. Llegado aquí a Buenos Aires para subyugar al jurado. When the mundial started, the tanguero landscape began to change. Yo creo que hubo un gran cambio desde el momento en que se hizo el mundial de tango. Cuando comenzó el Mundial de Tango, digamos, el paisaje tanguero este, eh, comenzó a, a cambiar. Yes, the Mundial has had some positive influence in the tango world. For example, when I was growing up in Jujuy, there was no tango there that was anything like the Buenos Aires tango. Let's just say the milonguero didn't exist. But thanks to the Mundial, the Buenos Aires style of tango started to spread within Argentina itself, with teachers who could teach even young children how to dance tango the way it's done in the capital city. So the old family tango, the rhythmic tango, gave way, and tango became unified. Up until 2003, for example, there were no tango festivals outside of Buenos Aires. But since the Mundial started, Festivals have appeared all over the country, and I think that's the Mundial's contribution. On the other hand, the Mundial, coupled with the ubiquity of the computers, YouTube, and even TikTok, there are no borders, and it's easier for people to teach and learn. And the pandemic has opened up a new world of virtual teaching and learning, and not so much face-to-face, which has its uh, pros and cons. What gets lost in this huge change is the craft, the development of the artisanship. Yo creo que eh, lo que se ha dejado un poco es lo artesanal, el desarrollo artesanal. What's getting lost is the manual labor, the work you have to put in to really investigate the culture of tango. There are very few individual stamps on things. Now it's a cookie-cutter, factory type of situation. You see, dancers these days, most of them dance very well. But each couple pretty much looks like the couples you've seen before. They look like the teachers they learn from. What you don't see is the desarrollo, the development of the dancers, going beyond what they learned and turning it into a personal, individual style. When I took classes with great maestros like Chucaro, like Norma, like Antonio Todaro, they would say, look, you can do it this way, but try to find your own way, put your own stamp on it. In some ways, they weren't such good technical teachers, but the way they made you understand what you had and what path you would take made you develop your own personality. That's what seems to me to be lacking these days. But I am happy, and happy that in such a short time, in less than 30 years, let's say, tango has become totally worldwide, and you can go to any part of the world, to any city, and there's a milonga, 
And there is a tango teacher. Things were not like that in the 90s. For example, you would arrive in Germany, and there were some hustlers who said that they were Argentinian, and they were Argentinian, but they would teach whatever and call it tango, which was a lie. And for us, it was shameful. But that was the kind of thing that went on. And it wasn't just Argentinians who were doing stuff like that. There were also people from other South American countries that were involved in such scams. What bothered me was that these people said they were teaching Argentine tango, but in reality, what they taught was some invention they came up with, just to take people's money. Luckily, this doesn't happen now. It cannot happen these days. So all in all, during the last 30 years, we've made enormous progress, and it has a lot to do with the progress we made in communication. about milongueros and their knowledge getting lost as they pass away? Here's what I think. The milongueros did not have a didactic, a pedagogy, to teach you. Many times I would approach the milongueros, who were already dwindling in number, and I would ask them how they did a certain step, 
and they would tell me, look at me, just look at me. And that was the way they taught. And they did it for you once, and the second time they did it, it was different because they themselves didn't have a repertoire or technical language to explain the steps consistently. So the steps came out differently every time they repeated them. I think this is lost, and I think it is lost forever. Eso yo creo que este, se perdió, y creo que eso se perdió para siempre. I believe what must be achieved is that we teachers that are still alive, and I include myself as a teacher because I have studied and studied, and I continue to study to be a good teacher. And, just like me, so many others from my generation of the 80s and 90s who are still working have to continue to be examples for young people, let's say, benchmarks. It happens now that last year's Mundial champions also teach, and people hire them to teach, but that doesn't mean they are good teachers. Sure, they won the Tango Dance World Championships, either on stage or pista, but not in the category of teaching tango. And many times, this is a problem. These young people know how to dance very well, but they don't know how to teach, how to transmit what they know, and maybe they haven't yet learned how to do it. Dazzled by their dancing skills, people take classes from these champions and stop taking classes from those who are actual reference to the young champions. These are the teachers who embody generations of tango knowledge. Many of us in our generation have taught about one-fourth to one-third of current tangueros and even champions. Look, compare this trend of always chasing the newest thing, the newly minted champions to learn tango from. Compare that to what we did in our generation. Instead of the newest thing, we sought out the oldest milongueros because they embodied generations of tango which gave them the authority and legitimacy. And this is what has changed now. So my recommendation for young dancers is that they go back a little to what we did in the 90s. I think that the generation of the 90s transcended, especially because not only did we take classes, but we also did the research. We investigated, we read, and we make decisions about specific ideas. But above all, what's important is the craftsmanship. It's not just about taking a boleo class, but developing your own brand of boleo, making it personal by researching and coming up with an idea that is clear about one's own brand of the boleo. My teachers would tell me, this movement is done like this, and the boleo comes out like this. But I would mark it from another side, and I would come up with a rounder movement, thus making it my own. To have the tanguero quality from the roots, you have to study, you have to practice, and you have to develop, above all, your own style, your own style. Y que siga teniendo una calidad tanguera de raíz, hay que estudiar, hay que practicar y hay que desarrollar sobre todo lo que yo decía, un estilo propio, un estilo propio. 
Don't just take classes, but go further back. Go deeper. Try to be personal. Otherwise, it is like a sausage machine. Everything comes out very similar. They are all chorizo, chorizo, chorizo. But none of them is something very personal. And those who have managed to be personal have transcended and will continue to transcend. This is my advice. To transcend, you have to be different. And to be different, you must not forget your roots. Shupanki, I always say it, and I will keep repeating it. Atahualpa Shupanki used to say, for children to live, it is not necessary to kill the grandparents. Shupanki, yo siempre lo digo, y, y lo voy a seguir repitiendo, este, Atahualpa Shupanki decía, para que vivan los hijos, no es necesario matar a los abuelos. I think you should start from that point. We should not leave behind the roots of tango and the way tango originated in order to develop a contemporary vision of tango. Conani es, es algo muy, pero muy especial, ¿no? Este, nosotros nos casamos en un amor a primera vista. Este, yo bueno. amo a mi esposa. El baile eh, ha sido lo que nos ha unido desde el primer momento. With Annie, it is something very, very special. We got married almost two and a half years ago, and it was love at first sight. I love my wife. And dancing is what united us from the first moment. Artistically, what we are looking for is precisely what I have just mentioned, to ensure that we continue with this investigation, because there is still a lot to investigate. Because it's not just tango, the skill, the dexterity, but tango is a form of history. Tango 
was born out of people. Tango was born out of the pueblo, the village. Tango was not born in a laboratory. Tango was not born in a dance school. Tango was born in the streets, and that is what is being lost. What is emphasized today is the dexterity, the acrobatics, which I applaud heartily because it seems to me that there is an audience for everything. There is an audience for the circus. There is an audience for the theater. There is an audience for Shakespeare. And there is an audience for comedy. I find it fantastic. It seems to me that tango has to take a turn and go back to its roots. That's the research we are doing. We are working on simple things, not anything elaborate. The idea is to be able to develop from the beginning, to be able to resume a path in which tango can once again be relocated carefully. Not that tango is lost. I'm not talking about that. Simply, I think it has gotten too intellectual. We want to resituate it away from the side where tango has become too intellectual. The intellectual is not part of tango. Tango es pueblo. Tango for me es pueblo. Que lo intelectual no es parte del tango. El tango es pueblo. El tango para mí es pueblo. Thank you, Roberto, and thank you, Annie, for such a gracious interview. This has been a wonderful and fascinating journey. Roberto, I don't only speak for myself when I say how much we appreciate your significant contribution to tango. Your effort to continue investigating tango and remaining true to its roots will ensure tango will not be unmoored from its origins, and tango will not lose its essence, el pueblo. This afternoon, I walked by El Querandí at the corner of Moreno and Peru. 
It was closed, but I peeked in the window. All the tables were beautifully set in white and black linen. The silverware and the glassware were sparkling in the afternoon sunlight filtering in through the windows, all in quiet anticipation. In the corner, I spotted a permanent stage, complete with a piano, and two rows laden with many lights. I smiled. Well done. Thank you, Roberto. Tonight's La Comparsita is a Walter Reels version from 2008 at the Taipei Tango Festival, where Roberto danced with Silvana Capra. You should check out their performance on YouTube. It has garnered more than 10 million views. This is Tango Angeles, and from Buenos Aires, I am Ronaldo. Good night.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 